You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Tonight, I am joined by, all the way from Traverse City, the chef owner of Amor Comida and owner of Rivet Photography, Michelle Rodriguez. Hello. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. I'm Th- full. <laughs> thanks for thanks for driving all the way down here. Of course. Um, so you're full. That means that you've eaten and you've eaten a lot these last few days. A lot. So let's talk about um, let's talk about that. Where where are some of the places you've hit? Um, so when I first got down here, the first place we checked out was Antihero in Ferndale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always been a big fan of Public House, so I knew that Antihero would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went out to Orchid, my best friend and I, which I have not been to a gay club like in a long time. <laughs> is, is is Orchid a gay yeah. Is Orchid a gay club? Oh yeah. Oh it is. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't been there in oh probably ten ten or so years. Uh, back when they first opened, I was doing some work for Real Detroit. So it's yeah. been a long time. Well my best friend and I we both have three year olds and so you know, we were like, all right, well, let's check this out. And there was $2 shots, which, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. started off the night. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, there's $2 shots. I need seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, you know, again, we're moms. So, like, the music starts and we get on the dance floor and she's like, here, hold my cardigan. I was like, that's the most, like, mom sentence of, of all. And I just forgot how it was to have, like, men just creep on you and you're just like, oh, I that's not what I want to be feeling right now. <laughs> Yeah, dudes are great. Yeah. And then like the shots were only $2 until 11 o'clock. And then I ordered a shot at like 11.03 and she's like, that'll be $17. No. <laughs> like, all right. They got to make their money back somehow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like charging like a dollar for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and charging like $10 for a glass of milk. You're right. Right. They're not, they're not dumb. They make yeah. their money. <laughs> so it was fun. Yep. And then. That so, was just the first night. Yeah. Um, second day went to Vincetta Garage. Tikka masala fries are where it's at. Yep. So good. Had a kale salad because I had to break up all the, you know, bullshit I was eating. It's called balance. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. Um, and then that night we went to Chartreuse okay. and it was incredible. So good. They sent a little love, um, which was awesome and very unexpected. But the bartender there actually just moved from Traverse City. Uh-huh. So it was kind of ironic. And um, 
you know, just nice to be able to talk to someone who knew my my area and all that. So mm-hmm. um, let's see, where else did I go? We went to Lady of the House for brunch the next day, which I've been meaning to check out for dinner, but brunch is a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I'm broke right now. Uh-huh. So um, I got the salmon toast and it truly was amazing. But the best thing about Lady of the House is that you can sit on Ryan Gosling's face <laughs> in the restroom. Yep. They have that famous stool. Yes. Yeah. So that's genius. And I want that for my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, probably the most Instagrammed uh, oh, sure. elements of that restaurant. For sure. Yep. Yeah. My parents are going to love hearing this right now. <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> so, okay. So then lady of the house and then uh, you had dinner last night, right? So what was, where did I go last night? Was that last night or the, or have you been here longer than that? Oh, um, you haven't stopped eating. I haven't stopped eating. That's okay. pretty much all I come down here for. I mean, I love my family and friends, but the food. So you have family and friends down here. Oh yeah, okay. I grew up in Metro Detroit, Farmington okay. Hills, um, and um, you know, I basically came down here to stage, mm-hmm. which is like for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's like working for free for the day so that you can gain more experience. Because everything that I know, I taught myself or just learned from observation. Um, I didn't go to culinary school. I actually majored in comparative religion and marketing. Wow. So I think that passion just like, you know, it it's always motivated me to learn. Um, I want to be a great chef. I don't want to be a good chef. So I think if you get to a point where you think you're a great chef, like you need to rethink everything because mm-hmm. you, you should you should always be a little humble and know that you can never stop learning you know there's always something new to learn so um yesterday i staged at Oda supply company in ferndale yep. yeah i was supposed to go to tacoy mm-hmm. but the night before we went to a different club which again i don't go to <laughs> and i'm not used to drinking like this so we went to soho and i lost my keys that night um you know the last thing i remember is singing don't Rain on My Parade by Barbara Streisand, okay. which is the song that you want to sing in a gay club. <laughs> it's it's the most appreciated thing to sing a Broadway musical. Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah, I was supposed to stash at Tokoy at like 10 a.m. the next day and I woke up. I could not find my keys anywhere. And so I messaged the chef. I was like, dude, I can't drive there right now. It sucks. The club doesn't open until four. I don't know if they have my keys or not stressed out about it for a while and so then i was like well i'm just right down the road from oda supply company and uh, my other friend eric hansen who used to be the chef at public house Uh um he hooked me up with the chef at oda so i walked down there staged for a few hours and they hooked me up with like five courses which i have to say honestly so good like the food was perfectly seasoned they're not afraid of spice which i feel like a lot of people are it's just like bold. There's a lot of different um, flavors on their menu, and I just really appreciated everything they taught me. So that was cool. <clears throat> Today, I went to Sister Pie in the beginning of the day, had two pieces of pie. They have like a little like program where you can buy a slice and pay it forward. Uh-huh. And a lot of the little slips like said a specific name. This is for Helen. This is for Mary. Well, there was one that just said, this is for a friend. And so I was like, shit, like <laughs> free slice of pie for me. So I took advantage of that. Uh-huh. And then I went next door to Marrow just to check it out. I just wanted to see what it was about. 
And I walk in, see their case, and I'm like, I just want you to slice me off a couple pieces of, you know, pate and like um, their charcuterie. And so we talked, the butcher and I talked for a couple minutes, and I got on my phone, talked to a friend of mine. And when I came back in the other room, he was butchering a cow Mm -hmm. on the table, and I was like, can I help you? He's like, "Uh, sure. So I got a knife and an apron and started breaking down a cow with him. He's like, well, this has never happened before. (laughs) Like, I don't think it does typically, but I'm super social and not afraid at all. And I think that people see my passion and they're like, go for it. Like, fuck it. Right. So, yeah, it's been a a great experience. So I want to roll back to to like where we we first started talking Mm -hmm. about not being trained. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you get into the culinary world then in, in the first place? Um, well, honestly, I started when I was like little, just watching Food Network. Okay. I was always obsessed with, you know, Iron Chef America. That was mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause it was very inspirational to see these chefs not know what their ingredients are and have to make like this extravagant meal out of it. Um, most of the other shows that I would watch, they have these set recipes, they're teaching you them, but. You know, see Bobby Flay get on there and just like kill it with like squid or, you know, just something random. I've seen every kind of ingredient on there. It just was eye opening for me. Like you can do so much with food. You don't have to overthink it. Like just go for it. And so I think that um, my creativity was just sparked by that. So um, little by little, I just, you know, would experiment in my house when I was little and I kept going that way. And when I was 18, I told my dad I wanted to go to culinary school. He was like, you know, I just, I think you should major in business. It's safer. You know, if you're a chef, you're going to be working really long hours. It's not very good money, all that stuff. I appreciate where he was coming from. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was just crushed. Like, this is what I want to do. I feel like this is my calling. So, you know, I went to Western. I majored in business. And... I was I felt like a little dead inside doing that. Uh-huh. I don't regret it because I think that it has taught me a lot. Um, you know, I've had a lot of good jobs that aren't in this industry, um, and it taught me how to kind of market myself. But you said you also majored in comparative religion. I did. I okay. thought I was going to be a pastor for a little bit. So you majored in business and comparative religion? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did the comparative religion make you feel less empty? Um, no, it was more about like, you know, I didn't grow up religious. Um, My brother passed away in a car accident like 15 years ago and I like didn't grow up in the church at all. And at a certain point I was like, okay, either I can believe that he's rotting in the ground or I can believe that he's like happy somewhere. Uh And to a lot of people that probably doesn't make sense and that's fine, but it was easier for me to believe in something positive. So I just started being a little bit more spiritual um, but at a certain point, you know, especially in Christ, uh, Christianity, you just, you can get on your high horse. You can think you're better than people. You can start seeing everything as a sin, you know? And I got to that point where I was like, I feel like I'm better than people. And so when I got to college, I was like, I need to be more open-minded. I need to learn about all the religions so that I know, you know, I know that 
I respect it more, basically. So I learned about all these religions and realized that if you believe in anything at all, it's beautiful. And if you don't believe in anything, then that's fine. Like, you do you. Well, not believing is believing in something. Like, believing exactly. that nothing exists. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if you would have talked to me, like, 10 years ago, I would have been like, you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, you know what? I haven't been to church in nine years. I just went to a Buddhist, like, meditation retreat last week. Mm-hmm. I'm completely open-minded. I think it's all, you know. So Buddhist meditation retreat. Now you're in Detroit. You, so this is like what's happening right now in your world that, that is uh, causing all this kind of travel. Changes. And interest. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'm rec- I'm going through a divorce right now. Okay. So being with someone for eight years, it's like you get in that groove, you know, uh-huh. like life becomes very normal and that's fine you know that's what you want you want stability you want to find a life partner and i don't regret marrying my ex at all he's an incredible human and Mm -hmm. honestly he's probably one of the reasons why i'm a chef now because he went to the cia he worked at some of the best places in the nation culinary institute of america yeah yeah and um i remember when i met him i told him i wanted to be a chef and he was like well then just do it Like, just do it. Mm -hmm. What do you have to lose? You know, and so he bought me um, the professional chef, like, culinary book that he used in culinary school. And then he bought me my first chef knife. And it's, like, the chef knife that I still use to this day. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a note in the book that said, um, because you want to be great and because you don't already know that you are. And I'll never forget that. So. Anyway, so, you know, we spent eight years together. We have a three-year-old daughter named Rosie. She's incredible. So, so beautiful. Um, But, yeah, now I'm at the stage where, like, who am I at 31? You know, finding myself again, trying to dive deep into projects to make sure that, like, I don't think about all the shit going on in my life, Uh you know? uh So this last year was just a really bad year for me. And, um I've overcome it just by staying focused and moving forward and thinking about like positive things rather than focusing on all all the negative things. So that's been a really good, healthy way to look at things. So I think when you come down here and you, uh, you know, you have these plans to to stage at these places, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about staging for a second because it's one of those things that as an outsider, someone who's never done that, Mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't like my immediate reaction to that is like you should be paid for your work, mm-hmm. right? No matter if you're training or any like when we bring people on at Ackroyd's to, to even to train or to do what we call a test shift, we pay them for that. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your opinion of staging as first of all as essentially volunteer work, mm-hmm. and then uh, if you agree or disagree that it's volunteer work, right? So staging to me, a lot of the times that uh, when people do it, it's because they're trying to um, secure a job at that place. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when I do it here or when I went to New York, like people are like, oh, are you looking to move here? I'm like, nope, I'm just here on vacation and just want to keep furthering my knowledge of food. Um, You know, and sometimes you learn more at certain places, you learn more than others. Um, But. I pick up on a lot of things like even this weekend. It seems stupid, but like I don't know how to make the, a great caramel. <laughs> you know, there's a million ways you can do it. I, like, I don't know either. They showed me and I'm like, I will remember that forever. Yeah. 
today when I butchered, like I've butchered, you know, lamb and 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 pigs a lot and goats and all that, but I haven't butchered a cow. Uh-huh. And it's basically the same process, but the bones are so much larger. And so, you know, he taught me how to tie a butcher knot today and, and you know, certain things about the cuts that I never knew. So it's like, so I got a little charcuterie for free, you know, and at Otis, they hooked me up yesterday. So if anything, it's not really volunteer work. It's like I will work for food, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yep. and I develop all these connections now I can say I was there and next time I go in, like I have the chef's numbers, I can text them, go out with them. And I know for certain if I moved to Detroit, I could find a job pretty much anywhere just because I'm like very social and I network a lot. So in the end, it's, you know, it's more beneficial than anything. I mean, it, and from what you're saying, that it's no different than networking. Right. It's a little bit more intensive than that. Mm-hmm. It's even getting into like the trenches mm-hmm. a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um I, I, it's just one of those things that's like, you know, as an employer, my reaction is like, well, they, you should be paid for that. Right. And, and what you're saying is you are paid for that. Right. Just in not, food. Yeah. <laughs> in food, drinks. Or, yeah. Or in relationships too. Right. And, and it ultimately like th- that could be more beneficial than one night of pay. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So do you find this whole staging, is it easy to hook up with places that'll let you just come back in the kitchen and start working? Yeah. And I think... You know, if you do a good job, they're going to tell other people about you. Um, the last time I came down, I staged at Mabel Gray, mm-hmm. and James is a good friend of mine, and he hooked me up with Andy Holiday the next day at Selden Standard. And it's like, I never knew Andy before, and now I know him. And like, if I went back in there, it would, you know, he'd probably send me something. Like, it, it's just how it works. Yep. Like, you're just cool with people. And, I would treat all these people the same way if they came up to Traverse City. So, so let's talk about go back to Traverse City for okay. a second. So, um, you I'm pouring more whiskey. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, so we so I should mention this. So our friends at Long Road, um, we have their rye whiskey. Uh, Long Road's out of Grand Rapids. Um, their rye whiskey is fantastic. It's got a really nice spiciness to it. Um, I agree. And uh, and it's um. Yeah, Long Road just does really great work there. If you've ever in, you're in the Grand Rapids area, they're uh, definitely worth visiting. Cheers. Cheers. Down um, hatch. <laughs> so, um, the uh, Traverse City. So, yeah. you, where have you worked in Traverse City in terms of in, in the restaurant world? Um, so I have tried to work at all the best places just because that's what you want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. Traverse City. You can either work at. I mean, I don't know. There, there's some really good things happening in Traverse City. Yeah, and let's talk about that too, because we. Yeah. So, I think our second or third episode way back when uh, we had uh, Kim Ryan, right? Um, after she won Hell's Kitchen, we, right. we hardly talked about Traverse City at right. all, if I recall. Um, we haven't talked much about it. So let's talk about first of all what Traverse City is. Um, it's in Northern Michigan, mm-hmm. obviously, um, but it's very much a tourist destination. Oh yeah. In the summer more than the winter, mm-hmm. but it, it's a tourist destination all year round. For sure. So what does that mean in terms of the culinary world in Traverse City? Because you said the best places and then you're obviously saying there's probably 
touristy places. Right. Too, right? Okay. Right. So I think our city's like 14,000 people in Traverse City proper. And then in the summer, it goes up to like 450,000 people. Stop. Yeah. Like wow. so many people have summer homes and all that. And they just leave them there or rent them out in the winter. We call them snowbirds, mm -hmm. you know. And so that doesn't make for a very consistent living for me because I'm a personal chef and caterer. So I'm really busy in the summer and make a lot of money in the summer. And then in the winter, I'm like making 12 bucks an hour right now working at a cafe uh -huh. and trying to hustle my ass off doing like promotional modeling and, you know, acting if I can and like doing my food photography thing. It's just like it's so hard. So wait, you're a chef, a model and a photographer. Yep. Okay. All yep. right. I'm also going to teach <laughs> um, culinary classes to kids in the summer. Wow. So disregard any F-bombs I <laughs> drop right now, please. Don't worry. Parents, your kids are safe with me. Um, no, there's some really awesome things happening up there. The produce is incredible. The farmers, you know, are very hardworking. Like, I'm very well connected with a lot of farmers up there. Just because I feel like if you know the farmers, they're going to hook you up even more. They're going to tell you, like, oh, you know, I know this kohlrabi looks awesome, but you should really try these beets right now. They're really sweet, you know. Um, and it just pays to know the people who are growing your food, you know, respect them. Like mm -hmm. they're the whole reason why your dish tastes amazing to begin with. The earth, the people that make it, like you just got to respect food in general, the whole process. Um, so when I moved up there, I kind of did some research on the better restaurants. And so I worked at Stella and then I worked at Cook's House um, and then I worked at Nine Beaten Rose, um, Black Star Farms. I was I was hired in as a chef at Black Star Farms, which was crazy because I had never been a chef of anything. And so, like that being my title, right when I moved there, was just crazy to me. Mm -hmm. All they had to go on was my pictures of my food <laughs> and like my passion when I'm talking. Right. They had no clue how it would taste. And like in a very small amount of time, the guests of the, the it, it's basically a, a bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. The guests were like overjoyed with my food and with my personality because I'd served a lot. I'm super talkative. So I would go present my dishes to the table and talk to them for a while. And they're like, wow, this girl is so nice and her food is so colorful and playful and whatever. Well, yeah, I'm not burnt out. I'm new to this, you know? It's, I'm super inspired by everything. So um, Black Star Farms was an awesome opportunity. It was one of those dream jobs where you get to like make your food, keep all the scraps, and then I get to go out to the farm and like feed all the scraps to the pigs oh, and pet great. the horses. You know, it's just like I felt like Julie Andrews. I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's perfect. Um, but a lot of people have given me a lot of great opportunities up there and I feel very fortunate for all the opportunities. What brought you up there? Um, so I had lived in Atlanta and Austin and then Chicago, and I knew that I wanted to like settle down and have a family and all that. And <clears throat> up there, wait. You... So hold on a second before you before you jump to that, yeah. and I don't mean to interrupt you, but okay. So you're, you said you're 31. Yeah. You, you grew up in you, Detroit. You're right, but but then you moved. You lived in Atlanta, you lived in Austin. Lived in At what point did you move to Traverse City? How old were you? Um, I think I was 26. Wow. Okay. 
It yeah. seems really, it's, it's very like young. I mean, you yeah, know, you I move fit around. in a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very spontaneous. Um, in fact, so when I moved, I, I graduated from Western, which is in Kalamazoo, and I moved to Atlanta without a job. And I was just like, all right, I just knew I wanted somewhere warm. Okay. That's, is that why you moved to Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, I just want somewhere warm. Okay. So I moved there. And then after like eight months in Atlanta, I literally woke up one day and had a very strong gut feeling that I just needed to get in my car and drive like west. And it was such a strong gut feeling that I was like, I need to do this because I can't think about anything else. Uh-huh. So I told my roommate, I was like, you care if I bounce? He's <laughs> like, uh-huh. no, I don't. So I packed up my shit, got my two cats and – you know, got my car looked at. It was a piece of shit. I had no idea <laughs> where I was going to go. Honestly, I was just going to like try and drive to Texas. And if I didn't make it, I was just going to live wherever my car broke down. And I was like, please, dear God, don't let it be Louisiana. Like, please. <laughs> um, so my car broke down in Austin. And well, it did? It broke it did. down? Oh, it broke wow. down. Like the, it, it overheated. Like the, it was leaking. Like it wouldn't go anymore. <sighs> And Austin is where I found my husband, you know, and so it's kind of a cool story. Um, So I was there for about two years and I, you know, I had traveled a lot in like Europe and all that stuff by myself. But um, I I knew that I wanted to be with him. So I brought him up here to introduce him to my, my parents. And he lived in like L.A. and New York and like all these places and he was like, oh, Austin is where I want to be for the rest of my life. But then I brought him up to Traverse City and he spent five days there in like July when it was like, you know, 78 degrees, like perfect weather. You could just feel the breeze come off the lake. You know, all the all the wineries are open, all the like berries are on the trees or on the bushes. And he was just like, holy shit, this is the most magical place I've ever been. People are friendly. The breweries are awesome. Like we went fishing on Lake Michigan. We caught some fish. Like we did everything that you want to do in Traverse City. And he was like, I never want to leave ever. And so my parents are like, yes, <laughs> yes, thank God. <laughs> you know, so um, we moved up there from Austin and it was great. But the first year that we were there, I was like, holy shit, I didn't expect the seasonality of it. I should have, but like, I wasn't making any money. I was like a server and I think I was pulling in like, you know, 200 bucks a week when I first moved there. And so I was like, dude, I got to go somewhere where there's work year round. And so I asked him, can we move to Chicago for a little bit, even though we just got here? He was like, you know, you're a lot younger than me. Like he's already done all this stuff. He was like, I will support you. I will do whatever, you know. And so I went and staged at Girl on the Goat one day and there was a couple different stages there at the same time as me and they all had culinary degrees and they all had way more experience than me so I'm like oh fuck I'm not gonna get this job well they hired me that night and I was like why why did you hire me over the other people like who had culinary experience and they were like well because for one you're very passionate and you're like really eager to learn so you're gonna soak up everything like a sponge And a lot of people who go to culinary school, they kind of like are set in their ways. They think they know everything or they're just very like, you know, classically trained. And I'm like, oh, you tell me to do it this way. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to, you know, respect your process. And not everyone does it that way. But 
at Girl in the Goat. It's like one of the best restaurants in the nation. Uh-huh. But you make 10 bucks an hour. You know, it is yeah, what it is. Right. Like, And not only that, but it's so busy there because you have to call months in advance to get a uh, reservation that like you have to come in basically to prep whenever you want, but you have to get your prep list done. So we could only clock in at like noon, but we would have to come in basically at 10 in the morning to finish everything. So you just know that you're going to be working like 30 to 40, 40 hours free a month to do this. And I know that sounds ridiculous to a lot of people. And yes, anyone would shake their heads. But if you don't like it, like there's going to be a line out the door of people who want to work there for 10 bucks an hour. I, I guess I'm not understanding this. So you're saying you, it's expected that you work ex- for free. Yeah, probably like 30 to 40 hours wow. Wow. a month for free. That's incredible. I know. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie. Um, but I'm not talking shit about it because, yes, it's, you know, it's hard to do. And this was a while ago, right? Yeah, this was... yeah. This was like five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, but it's on my resume. Yeah. You know, right. and everyone knows about Girl on the Goat. Right. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. So you, I looked at that like a huge learning experience. Like I have this on my resume. I got to learn from a top chef slash iron chef like i have that op- or i have that um contact now even though probably after this <laughs> i might not right i right. don't think she listens to your show <laughs> who knows maybe yeah i won't send her the link um but yeah it's all taught me what i know so so I, i'm interested in talking about the the whole going from atlanta to austin mm-hmm. um driving a beat down car um and the kind of i don't call it fear but like this kind of not knowing what to expect Mm -hmm. right so you basically left atlanta knowing that the car was going to break down yeah um what made you still do it because i'm trust that it's going to work out you know i mean I'm definitely a free spirit, somewhat to a fault. Um, I could have a lot more savings right now. <laughs> I got a tattoo yesterday, which, again, sorry, mom and dad, you don't know about that. <laughs> I was not even going to post that on social media. My leg is burning right now. Um, but, you know, I just trust that it's going to work out. Like, I came down here somewhat on a whim. Like, I didn't have plans. I just knew that I was going to figure it out. And um, I got to cater for the U.S. Open in September and go to New York for 10 days, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do there, but I'm going to meet some cool people. I'm going to eat some good food. I'm going to learn a lot. And that's what I did. And I just kind of take my life like that, like don't have any expectations. How, How did you line up catering at the U.S. Open? Um, I met a girl named Esther Choi who's like – she's like a public figure now, uh-huh. as you will say. Um, and I met her on Instagram like six years ago and we just hit it off. And so she posted that she was looking for help to cater the U.S. Open. She's Korean. She owns a place called um, – well, she has two places. It's called Mock Bar, mm-hmm. um, which was at the Chelsea Market. And then she just opened a, a new place called um, – Ooh, miss you. And so I was like, yeah, I will come and help you. But she's like, I'm obviously looking for local people. If you want to fly here, you really should because 
I'll show you a good time and we'll treat you right and all that stuff. So I'm like, yes. Like that was only a couple months after my ex had moved out. And I just like, man, it was a bad year. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, all right, I need to do this for myself. So I went and did all these amazing things, you know, learned about Korean food, which was awesome. And when I came back, it's like I had way more energy to be a mom. You know, I always have energy to be a mom, but like it refreshed me. It made me feel like that wasn't my entire identity. Being a mom. Being a mom. Uh And being a mom is amazing. But like at a certain point, you have to remember, like, what are your dreams? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? Like you have to have that part of you. Otherwise, you're going to get burned out. You're going to die inside a little bit like there's only so much um, baby shark I can listen to, you know, and I want to be a good example for my daughter. And I think that showing her to follow your your dreams is a good example mm-hmm. to set for her, you know, and she loves watching me cook. She's like, mommy's a chef. Mommy's a chef. And she knows so much about food. Like my entire backyard is edible pretty much. Uh-huh. And she eats things that I think a lot of people don't know are edible. She'll like just grab lilacs and just like eat them. And like I have all these wild grapes and like a mulberry tree and she'll get on my shoulders and we'll pick mulberries and she'll go around the herb garden and be like, oh, I love the taste of basil, you know, <laughs> and lavender. I'm just like, oh, I love watching you do this. You mm-hmm. know, she'll grab kale. She's like, I love kale, mommy. I'm like, I know. That's probably because when I was pregnant, I ate like a pound of it a day. And I think that that's why she's so smart. Is is that what you craved when you were pregnant? Kale? I <laughs> sound like such a hippie. Yes. I craved kale, but I also craved a lot of dairy. I ate Moomer's ice cream like every day. Oh, so that's a famous uh, creamery up in Traverse City. Oh, my God. And I hadn't eaten um, cereal like in such a long time. And I was like, I need cinnamon toast crunch every single day. <laughs> For the next nine months. Like, I just, like, went to Costco and bought, like... <laughs> the, the industrial <laughs> yes, size. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I so I want to talk about movers for a second because it's an interesting... <laughs> uh, they have an interesting model because they... The one... Lo- the main location, mm-hmm. I, I guess, uh, during Which the summer... Which I live right next to, by live the way. Next, okay. So, during the summer, there is literally, like, lines, like, a mile Out long door, yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's... But... but Moomers is widely available in grocery stores. Oh yeah, yeah. now it is. Yeah, so my, my thought, you know, if, if you if anyone's ever up north, is if you want to try Moomers ice cream, is to get at the grocery store, or if you need to wait, if you feel the urge Not to wait. True. No, I totally disagree. Really? it's worth it. Like it's it tastes it. the same. Of okay. course, it tastes the same. But like, you know, it's like okay, yes, I can go buy Guinness at any you know place, but I also had Guinness at the top of the Guinness factory in Ireland. You know, and it tastes the exact same, but at that moment you're like, "Holy shit, I'm never having Guinness example. again." That's an no, extreme no, it's example. True. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so when you're at Moomers, you're like looking at the cows that made the milk that made your ice cream that you're you're having, and it's just a very serene thing that you don't get everywhere. You just can't just go to freaking Baskin and Robbins and be like, "Oh." Okay, you know, <laughs> 31 flavors, great, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the great things about Traverse City, too, yeah. is this kind of, um, especially during the summer, like this, there's so much nature there as well. Yeah. And it's, it's va- I mean, there's nature around Detroit, too, but it's vastly different mm-hmm. when you go to northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's much more, um, use the word serene, it's, right. it's very, 
serene up there, even yeah. with the 450,000 right, <laughs> people right. that are there. Um, okay. So, uh, you, you've worked at Cook's house. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's talk about Cook's house for a second, because okay. I think, um, you know, uh, Jen Blakesley and Eric Patterson, uh, do a great job there. And th- that's one of those places that, um, during the summer, you definitely had a reservation to get into. They're they're oh, yeah. fully booked all summer yeah. long. It's like fourteen tables, maybe, maybe not even that much. Yeah, it, it's a small spot, mm-hmm. and and they um they they churn out of there. Yeah. Um, and Jen also runs so across the street from Cook's House is Little Fleet, mm-hmm. and Jen runs Milkweed mm-hmm. Street Food out of there. Um, so talk about working at Cook's House and what that's like because it's a tiny kitchen. Yeah. So it is like we would have to put our cutting boards on top of equipment, you know, and like it got so hot in there and you just have to work really well with your team because there's only like three of us. But like you said, like we just turn out food fast and I was on expo and I'd never expoed before. So trust me, I got yelled at a lot. A lot, especially because when you're expoing, it's also kind of like an open kitchen. And so um, people would sit at the chef's table. So I was also expected to talk to them, which is why I think they put me up there because I love talking to people. But, um, yeah, I had to learn real fast. And, you know, Jen and Eric are incredible people. Eric was definitely a lot more like hardcore. Like he is not afraid to tell you when you're fucking up. Yep. And at first, I had never worked for a chef like that. So when he would talk like that, I was like, you can't talk like that to me. That hurts my feelings, <laughs> you know? He doesn't give a shit. Oh, no. I quickly learned, you know, and then I was like, yes, yeah, chef. Yes, yeah, chef. Like, I got better and better at that. But um, I would say that Eric and Jen probably kickstarted my career for me in Traverse City because Jen featured me at a – well, they featured me for a chef's dinner, a young chef's dinner. It was the first one, and so I was a part of it with um, Adam McMarlin, who owns um, Ren and the Butcher up there, which I highly, highly recommend. And then Eric Hansen, who was the chef at Public House, yep. who's an incredible human being. Um. And then, you know, a couple a couple other amazing chefs and like they did some news articles about us, like the tickets got sold out real quick. And I was in charge of dessert, which I'm not a pastry chef, but I was like, you know, if anything, that's fun. But like if I'm not good at something, then do it so that you can learn. So it, um, the theme was like peasant food. So I made something called, oh, God, it's going to be embarrassing to try and pronounce this. N-E-C-C-I. I think it's like Nietzsche or Nechi or something. It's Italian. Uh-huh. Um, and it's basically like a um, a chestnut flour crepe. Okay. And it's filled with either ricotta cheese or some kind of like savory cheese. Mm-hmm. And so I put like honey and salt in mine. And then I made like a, like a brandy and date um, syrup jam thing mm-hmm. and just put a little bit of mint on top. And it, it seems so simple, but honestly, a lot of people were like, that's one of the best courses. It was so good. Yeah. And, um, you know, after that, people were like, oh, you're Michelle Rodriguez. I'm like, <laughs> what? I Like, how can you know me? Oh, because there's 14,000 people in the town, you know, <laughs> and not a lot of shit is happening. So, right. yeah, a lot of people know me. Like, I'll go to the grocery store and a lot of people follow me on Instagram and 
just be grocery shopping and someone will come up to me and they'll be like a complete stranger. And they're like, oh, my God, your breakfast looks so good this morning. Your daughter's so beautiful. Um, like I'm like looking around. I'm like, I didn't bring my daughter to the grocery <laughs> store. They're like, I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on Instagram. I'm like, OK. <laughs> it's crazy. It's kind of weird. weird. I've had. Yeah, I know that experience. It's a strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I'm I like, just, do you want me to sign your boob? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Please don't. I don't really want to. No. <laughs> oh, I wish I was that famous. That'd be awesome. <laughs> S- signing boobs yeah. in grocery stores? That I don't know. is I don't my know. goal. <laughs> That's your goal. <laughs> well, if anyone's listening, you know. <laughs> yes. Please help me fulfill my dream. I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, okay, so... Where did the idea to start your own business come from then? Well, I think I would say I have somewhat of a problem with authority okay. <laughs> sometimes. Um, I can be kind of a pistol. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just really sick of making shit money. Like, it is what it is. That is what you get paid as a prep cook, as a line cook. You get ma- paid like 10 to $13 an hour. I, I think it's important. Up there. Well, I, and I think it's important to to note, to note that the glamorous life of a Food Network chef, mm-hmm. it does not exist. Right. Our industry is very much like it, it's not a luxurious mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Um even even the guys at the top, mm-hmm. um, even locally, you know, Metro Detroit, I, I would venture to say that none of them are rolling in dough. None of none of us are Scrooge McDuck, right? Um, you know, doing headfirst into a, a room full of gold doubloons. We're, we're very much working our asses off every day. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it's a tough industry. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned burnout er- earlier. Mm-hmm. It happens, right? Even you know, if you're trying to make ends meet, and you're working. Two two jobs, and you're working two forty hour a week jobs at eighty hours a week. You're not sleeping, right? But people do it. Oh yeah, and you know? and some people are better with that than others, right? Like I need that freedom. Some people, all they know how to do is work, you know. And I work really hard, but I I need time to myself to to stay mentally stable and focused, and you know, not burn out. Well, we've talked. We talk a lot about work life balance here, and um, I'll go out of my way to mention work life balance. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like the it, it sounds kind of counterintuitive because a lot of times starting your own business causes the work life balance to go out of whack towards work. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you've made it work the opposite way. Is that right? Like I it, got very lucky in okay. that sense. Like. I've always wanted to own a restaurant and I've had a lot of opportunities where people want to invest in me. They've had my food. They're like, let me help you get this started. And for a long time, I was like, all right, let me come up with a business plan. Let me do this. But then I had my kid and I'm like, I don't want to work 90 hours a week. I don't want to be away from you. I don't want this to be my life. Um, So then I decided to open my own, you know, company. But it's not a restaurant. It's a personal chef, small catering company. And I want to keep it small catering because I work for another like caterer who does up to, you know, 250 people. And I've worked for a lot of caterers. I've been catering for 10 years with other companies. Um, and so I cater for like 40 people, 50 people, like easy you know and that's i don't a, that's a small catering job for you yeah or, okay oh yeah and i don't have to hire staff really i mean 
maybe a server here and there if I need it. But um, it's nice to keep it small because I like the intimacy of it. I like people like sitting at the table and know, getting to know each other and just like, you know, figuring out a new menu for each client. Like people will be like, oh, what's your hourly rate? I'm like, it all depends. Like I don't have an hourly rate. If, you know, if if you have a six person dinner and at my hourly rates, 50 bucks an hour, like so not worth it for me to work for two hours for a hundred bucks. Right. You know? Right. So I'm not like taking advantage of people or anything. It's just like, what is my time worth? You know? And a lot of times when I send out quotes, I'm like super insecure about it. I'm like, oh, did I underprice? Did I overprice? Whatever. No one's ever had a problem with it because I show up and I have a good attitude and I cook them really good food and they're always happy. And then they recommend me to their friends. And that's how I keep getting business is just recommendations. Like I barely advertise myself at all. But I'm lucky in the sense that people will call the big catering companies who are very well known and they'll they'll be like, I have a 25 person, you know, private dinner that I'm looking for a caterer for and it's just not worth their time. So a lot of people in that town know that that's what I do. And so they send them to me. And it's just like I'm one of maybe two personal chefs up there. So let's. I, I want to talk about the def, what is a personal chef like. Define that. So I will like, <clears throat> I will go to someone's house and grocery shop on the way and like come up with the menu myself. Go to their house, cook them dinner, make them meals for the week, whatever. Um, if they have like a fifteen person dinner, same kind of thing. Like I cook it in their house, and because of it, I don't have a commercial kitchen, which is incredible because I don't have to pay for that overhead. But I keep that's why I keep it small, you know, because I want to keep it legal. And if you cook in the person's home, then it's fine because okay. you're you're right there, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about legality, but that doesn't seem like an issue. Like, no. They know what they're, like, they're exactly you for the diet. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be saying this on the right, Well, right, right. <laughs> I get it. But um, so. But I can rent a kitchen, you know, per day if I have a bigger catering. So what what goes into so someone says they have a. 15 person mm-hmm. dinner party mm-hmm. like, okay that sounds great um what is the first question that is like do you ask them what do you want to eat or do you no. or do you you tell them what you're making oh it's up to me it's up to yeah. you yeah okay. my first question is always what are your dietary restrictions okay um and actually i've kind of become known as like the chef that's like the most flexible with dietary restrictions, if anything. And I know that sounds weird, but like a lot of people do have problems with that. If you walk into a restaurant, I am totally guilty of this, but like if a gluten-free vegan who's also got an allergy to peanuts walks into a restaurant, everyone's going to fucking hate you, you know? And it's like, it's not your fault. It's different than the people who are like, oh, I'm allergic to cilantro. No, you just don't like the taste of cilantro. Right. You know, but like there's a lot of people in this world who have restrictions that like there's not a lot of food choices for them. And so um, I kind of been eating vegan for like four or five months, mostly. I mean, I'll not cheat. This, not this weekend. Not this not weekend. The- Holy <laughs> shit. I've had so much raw meat. I just butchered a cow like a few hours ago. Um But I did it because I wanted to teach myself, like, I wanted to go outside of my comfort level, my comfort zone, sorry. Um, There's so much you can do with plants, you know? And if someone's gluten-free, like, there's a million choices. 
<laughs> people, there's so many things that don't have gluten in it. Right. Um, and so it became kind of a game for me. Like, how many restrictions do you have? Let me go around this. And so because of it, people have been calling me left and right. Like, hey, I have this retreat. It's a yoga retreat. There's like, you know, 15 vegans, five people that eat meat, two people with a nut allergy, a couple gluten-free people. Like, I'm like, great. I can't wait to make this menu. I can't wait to blow your minds with this menu because it'll be something for everyone. And I don't like singling people out either. I don't want to be like, here's your portion. You know, like I like making the menu that everyone will eat together. So when when someone tells you there's that those restrictions Mm -hmm. and there's like two of these and 15 of these, Mm -hmm. you will still make one cohesive dish for everybody. I try to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's far outside of what I would expect. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's like what I pride myself on. I mean, part of the, so a couple things. So the, the thing about people that have restrictions that come into a restaurant and say, well, I'm X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. We're in the hospitality industry. We should be hospitable towards mm-hmm. everyone that walks through our door short of someone who's being nasty. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you, if you put, bring in nastiness, like get, getting nastiness back should be expected in some way. I, and, and I say that, you know, in a way that's like, you know, we have to try to, counteract that but if someone's just continually being nasty well then they're not gonna you can't win them over right yeah so that's one thing where it's like we have to be hospitable to everyone we possibly can no matter what if they're you know be a vegan be allergic to uh, peanuts garlic Mm -hmm. onions anything they have to be allergic to is it's not their choice like you said um so there's this feeling that like or my feeling is that dining together is important Mm -hmm. and i think that what you're doing is really incredible because Mm -hmm. if you're thank you you know if you're if you're causing like here here's your dish and here's your dish Mm -hmm. you know oh here's here's the gluten-free vegan dish Mm -hmm. and then here's here's the meat eater Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like there's so much difference there and now it's like you know what guys like we're all eating together right that's that's great yeah do people appreciate – do they recognize that, that that's yes. something you're bending over to yes. do? Okay, And that's why I keep getting repeat clients, you know, and, like, there's kind of a theme. Like, I mean, when you eat that way, I feel like you're somewhat of a hippie sometimes. And so I'm getting, like, meditation retreats, yoga retreats, environmental leadership programs. That way being vegan? Like uh, that, that, yeah, okay. I mean, like when you're when you're purposely eating vegan or vegetarian, it's not like you're allergic to meat, you right. know? <laughs> right. But – um. No, and that's really cool for me. And a lot of these people, they have these amazing spirits and they're like, oh, when you're not cooking, like you should really join in on this meditation retreat. I'm like, hell yeah, it's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. So I'm a kale eater. Absolutely. <laughs> I like granola. <laughs> Let's do this. So so then what's the what's the long term? Do you have like a vision to see like where, where are things going? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I would say that you know, I found something good. I found something that Traverse City is lacking in. Um, and I'm, I'm going to keep going in this direction. Um, I mean, my end goal is really to be famous on Broadway. <laughs> that's, your, that's your goal? to like, like an, As an actress? Oh, I just want to sing Broadway musicals sing every Broadway. day. Okay. That's, yeah. All right. You could be the singing chef. Yeah. You could do that. Well, <laughs> I actually, I'm just kidding, by the way, but... Um, at the gay club the other night, we 
it was karaoke night and I sang Don't Rain on My Parade and it was yep. just like the best freeing moment of my life. So I got Let's kicked out my, I got kicked out of my own after party of my wedding because I kept stealing the microphone from the DJ trying to sing that song. Oh. So it's been a dream of mine for a long time. So thank you, Soho. <laughs> <laughs> for making that a possibility. Plus, everyone was singing really depressing songs before. There was like a, a guy that before me who was singing like Old Man River. <laughs> oh, like, we need to spice it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a vastly different. <laughs> <laughs> I came right after him. Okay, so um I want to talk about the photography element mm-hmm. a little bit because a, a few weeks ago we had Cliff Skywalker on who is uh, the host of a, sh- a show on Thil- Thrill is called Insta Chef, mm-hmm. which um, the premise of the show is uh, chefs that build their following on Instagram, mm-hmm. which I think you're kind of doing mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, I try. And if you don't follow me, at Amor Comida, <laughs> A-M-O-R-C-O-M-I-D-A. Yep. Thank you. It means love food, by the way. Um, so the the... The food photography, mm-hmm. is that self-taught as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have always been like very creative. I have no fucking clue how to draw or do pottery or paint or anything like that. But like it just makes me feel alive when I'm like plating something or the way that my mind works when I'm creating a dish. It's just like that's that's how I can express my creativity. And so photography is the same way. I'll look at something completely different than someone else and that's what photography is all about and everyone thinks that they're a photographer now everyone busts out their phone and takes a picture of food that's fine that's good like do it because you can't be judged like you're so excited about your meal do it but like i like to bust out my professional camera once in a while and take a picture and you know i just finally opened my own official photography company last year called rivet and um, within like the first two months, I got like a cookbook deal, you know, like, wow. yeah, I mean, like it's cool when people notice, you know, and there's so many good photographers. Like I have so much to learn. I'm so 100% still learning. Uh-huh. I do like a photography club with people. Like I don't know shit about lighting sometimes, but I figure it out. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the theme of my life is if you don't know how to do something, then do it learn yeah you know i, I want to talk about plating for a second because uh-huh. I, I i'm fascinated by this and and I, I never ask this question i don't ask this question enough of chefs when you are composing a dish mm-hmm. do the ingredient you have the ingredients in mind mm-hmm. and then when does the plating and how it's going to look come into your head so some chefs like actually draw it in their notebook like how they're envisioning it i don't until everything's made and then i kind of just have these like colors in my head and it just goes on the plate i'm not the chef that does the tweezers like i have a way more rustic style of plating and i like to make sure that everyone has like each bite on one fork i feel like a lot of times when you decompose or yeah. De- deconstruct. Deconstruct. Decompose. <laughs> whiskey. Um, deconstruct a plate. You know, like each bite will be different tasting. I don't like that because if you don't get that crunchy element, then you're like, oh, it needs something. Or if you don't get the sweet and salty together, then it's a little unfinished. Um, so I like to just kind of make sure it's all cohesive and uh, that you get each flavor in each bite. So Okay. So then what do you think of people that when you present them a dish – 
meat, potatoes, asparagus, and they eat everything separately. No, I don't do that. <laughs> if you don't like your food touching, please don't call me. Like I'm telling you on the air right now, do not call me. I'm not going to put your shit in like a, you know, separate compartment. <laughs> I, I uh, growing But up, you can call me for food photography. <laughs> there, there was a guy that I knew growing up, growing up that would, uh, uh, had such an aversion to anything green that if there was so much of a piece of parsley on his steak <laughs> when it was presented to him, he would send it back and like freak out. Are you talking about my dad? No, is that <laughs> is that how your dad is? My dad, like, like he will leave all the green stuff and then he'll hide it with his napkin. I'm like, Dad, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> and it's kind of cool because like I've cooked for my parents a lot because they do so much for me. And when I cook for them, like when I see my dad eat kale that I make, I just I'm like this is the ultimate satisfaction right here and he's like I didn't know that tail could kale would taste good. <laughs> like well that's what it is like when you know how to cook kale, you know? <laughs> it doesn't have to be rabbit food. But that's the ultimate compliment though. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. And like one of my clients they're um from Texas and they are Oh god, they have more money than anyone i know yeah. you know but they eat like burger king every day and 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 kfc and all that stuff and so when they hired me originally it was because they wanted me to cook healthy for them because the guy had like a brain injury uh -huh. and so i learned about um, anti-inflammatory diets and very quickly after uh, cooking the way that i do his doctor was like i've never seen anyone recover faster than than this guy you know and he was like i feel like it has to do with the food and that was like the ultimate compliment as well it's like awesome. if i can help heal someone that's the best thing and a lot of my clients are like that i have like a diabetic client right now and you know his points have dropped since i started cooking for him and all that stuff but anyway so the first clients that i was talking about like they were like can you just make us like chicken fried steak you know i'm yeah. like um i guess i can but i'm gonna make it in like gluten-free like breading with like organic you know farm-raised chicken and all that did yeah. i just say chicken or steak chicken yeah oh, okay whatever yeah, whatever you know what I mean. <laughs> all right you do your thing joe <laughs> okay so where can people find out more about you um so facebook um at uh facebook slash amor comida a-m-o-r-c-o-m-i-d-a and on instagram mostly i would say definitely instagram at amor comida a-M-O-R-C-O-M-I-D-A. <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much. This was fun. Until next time, dine.